With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Coming up, we've got all the news and views from Manchester City's week. It's your club and this is your show. Is this the pair of games where Manchester City took full control of the title race? The picture at the top of the table couldn't look any better for Pep Guardiola. Eight points clear of second place Chelsea, nine clear of third place Liverpool and ten wins in a row to really hammer home that advantage. Happy New Year everybody. Welcome to this week's Blue Moon podcast where we'll be reflecting on the wins over Leicester and Brentford. We've noticed there's been a lot of discussion about the competitiveness of the Premier League this week as well so we'll try and put that conversation to bed and we'll also look back on the whole of 2021 on our final show of the year. I'm David Mooney. Joining me this week, I've got City fan KC. All right. And the Daily Mail's Jack Gorn. Hello, you all right? Not too bad, thanks, Jack. Are you well, KC? Yeah, I'm not too bad, mate. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas and all that. Let's start by having a look at the title picture, Jack. Um, as we said there, eight points clear of Chelsea on level games, nine clear of Liverpool, uh, one game more. Um, there's a lot of people saying it's done and dusted, is it? Uh, no, no. I'm baffled by the amount of people uh, who've said it's done and dusted because it's I don't know how many games we've got left but 18 left to play um, you've seen Southampton Crystal Palace teams like that take points off City this season Liverpool have looked really good in uh, for large spells I just yeah I, the, the conversation over the last couple of days particularly on Twitter has been just absurd and just I'm completely bored with it <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I agree 100% with that, with, with everything that you've just said, yeah. Excellent, because we're going to talk about that now, so uh, good, <laughs> uh, good, good that you're both bored with it. Um, uh, the thing is, Jack, here's a record for you to just on that. Um, no team's been eight points clear on New Year's Day and not won the league. Yeah, look, I expect them to win the league from here um, because they're an exceptional football team who control games, uh, like take, take Brentford, the Brentford game, they just controlled it from pretty much start to finish um, and the players uh, the players that they have at their disposal have the experience of grinding out title wins from this position so Matena would be going on City however doesn't mean that it's finished Yeah, uh, and it's been weird to, to, to read the amount of people throwing in, the, throwing in the towel because I don't know if they probably because they feel they need to be offering some sort of commentary on football, and they've got nothing else to say. Yeah, it's it's like that that that's that 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 stat that you gave there, David. It it just seems like it's it's just very arbitrary, you know, about you know the eight points at this point of the year. We we caught United with six games to go with eight points. Yeah, which which was a lot less time left. So a- anything can happen. You've got eighteen games left of the season. It just seems mad. Well, it's like the team that's the team that's top at Christmas always wins it. By I think the only two times it's it's not been the team at the top of at Christmas that's won it in the last like I don't know eight nine years or whenever has actually been City that have come from behind. Um, you can look at things in loads of different ways. Um, 
But these sort of statistics are there to be broken, aren't they? And yeah. are you telling me that like Jurgen Klopp's not telling these players to that that's that's the aim. They're not. Yeah. They won't be uh, saying it's over, will they? Yeah, it's it's interesting, Casey, that you uh, that you demolish the the stat on its arbitrary nature because the one that always winds me up is you know that one that does the rounds every time City are losing away from home in the league at um, at half time, and yeah. it, it comes out oh they've only won once from behind at half time in in the Premier League since, since Spurs like in yeah or, something. or whatever yeah. it is, and I'm like yeah, but uh, th- there's at least two occasions in that time where it's been nil nil at half time. They've conceded with like 15 minutes to go and still won the game. Like like they've come back they've come, they've, they've come back from a goal down late. Later in the game, but just because your marker is half time, it goes back fifteen years. It doesn't like, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. So I'm uh, I'm with you on the arbitrary nature, even though I do love a good start. Um, it's weird though, Casey. Are you are you confident going into the into this running? Because there's still that element of old habits die hard. You know, if there's only if there's one club that can mess it up from here, it's City, all that sort of stuff. Even though the evidence says otherwise. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm I'm, com- I'm confident. I'm I'm about as confident as I was at the start of the season, where I felt we should win the league, and I hoped that we would. But I thought it'd be, t- I think it'd be tight, and I still think that now. Um, you know, I still think that we will be ran closer than what a lot of. There's been a lot of people like just out, like just throwing the toys out of the pram and having a bit of a pissy pants moment the past few days since Liverpool have uh, dropped points. Um, it's just. I think I think Liverpool will come back at us. It's just a case of if we put one of our runs together, and people have seen us do do that before, so you know, fair enough. But I think we will win the league, but it's not going to be by you know a, a, a cricket score of a margin. I think it will be it'll still be relatively close, um, and I do I do still hope that we do it. Um, and and that's not just a case of saying it. Oh, I'm only saying that because I don't want egg on my face at the end of the season. Um, we should we should win the league from here, but we should at the start of the season. I would have said exactly the same thing. We should win the league. We we are the champions. That's why we should win the league. But I'm not miles and miles more confident now than I was at the start of the season. I was confident then. I'm confident now, but I'm not over the top confident now. Yeah, it's uh, it, it, there is the potential of uh, when when KC said cricket score. Then Jack, I was just thinking, is it an England batting collapse sort of cricket score? Is that what we're expecting? <laughs> Nathan Ake is going to waft at one outside the goalpost. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, City couldn't have asked for a better Christmas, though. All told, Jack, you know Chelsea, Liverpool dropping points, um, City going one hundred percent. It's it's been it's been near perfect, hasn't it? Yeah, apart from that ten minute spell in the second half against Leicester, they've been um, they've been yeah thoroughly thoroughly dominant. Um, and you know, there's been a lot of talk about uh, players missing, uh, teams missing players, and COVID and things like that. COVID still touched City. They've still had a problem with Foden and Grealish. Uh, they've they've had to make changes. I think they probably, and I'm biased because I cover them every week, obviously. But I think the difference between Guardiola and some of the others is that he rotates his team all season. Yeah, he keeps everybody fresh, and he does it because of these weeks for exactly this reason. Because it just a it keeps them all on the toes throughout the season anyway which you're going to get better performances that way. But B, when they are mildly up against it in terms of numbers, it means that everybody's raring to go, whereas some of the other teams in the top half of the division basically play the same team every week. And then when they get to a a few days like this, where they might have to play a couple of games, 
Um, the moan about needing five subs. Well, yeah. So you know, I, uh, it's it. Sometimes it's hard talking about City because the right answer is always the manager. Yeah, the manager does so many things so well that everything else falls into place, and he is so often the reason behind why they've done what they've done. And I and I I think that's the case with this as well. Yeah, just I mean the other thing. Let's let, let's kind of tap into that a little bit because KC, we've we talked about how tiresome it's been about about the, the discourse of nobody can ever possibly compete with City. Um, City have seventeen outfield players. Um, when it, when you kind of like look at it like that, there is a depth of quality for sure in that every one of those seventeen players is a great player, but not certainly not depth of numbers. So like Jack says, the, the rotation is is the key here, isn't it? The fact that they that they keep as many players fresh as much as they can. Yeah, I think yeah, I think um, a lot of uh, casual observers do go over the top with the size of our squad thing, etc., and stuff like that. And I think most City fans recognise that there there isn't you know a, a huge amount in terms of numbers, but at the same time, I think there is a bit of a grey area because we do, you know, we do have youth there for a reason, um, and you know they they can be utilised more. Um, so, you know, I don't think anyone would be too upset to see, you know, a, f- a few of the younger players, um, you know, come on a bit more in, in some of the games and things like that. Um, so there is there is a bit of a grey area uh, in between what, you know, the, the polls are part of what people say when they go over the top and say, oh, our City squad's massive. Um, and at the end, City squad is massive by that, you know, I know you love a stat that when McAtee came on for Palmer, like the squad numbers that we use, what was it, 80-odd for 80-odd or something? Yeah. So, so that that even though you know they're the random numbers that do, that does tell part of a story, doesn't it as well? Yeah, I, I mean the thing like we're talking in terms of uh, of rotation of players, Jack. Not every club can rotate Sterling and Mares out for Foden and Grealish. It, it, that's that's the sort of depth that City have. But it, like there is a, there is an element that if you know if City get two or three injuries, then they have to, these players have to play every week. Mm. Yeah, and it's the same for. It's the same for Liverpool, it's the same for Chelsea, it's the same for Man United. They, all of them have got three players underneath their front three that could conceivably come in and win them a game. So I don't. I, there isn't a massive amount of difference, I don't think. Yeah, they've got... They're overloaded with midfielders, City. Uh, and obviously the way they play with basically... A lot of the time this year it's been 4-1-5, hasn't it? And the five yeah. have been doing whatever they want. And yeah, they have... They probably have an individual more in those sort of midfield attacking areas than the rivals do, but it's the way they're spoken about by people who should know better. It's as if they have a thirty-man squad full of eighty million pound footballers. They don't. It's just that they're managed really well. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's the key point that the you know the manage. That they are managed well. It's like because if you if you do listen to fans of other teams, like let's say like Liverpool fans, if you listen to them, you know they've got the best player in the world in every position. Yeah, at the same time, it's the same. They're talking out one side of the mouth saying that, and then out the other side of the mouth, they're saying it's not fair and they can't compete with City. And it's like I do hear the same from you know not not as much, but from United fans as well. And it's just like. You know, you can't have your cake and eat it. What? Which one is it? Have you? You've either got the best. You've either got the best players in the world in in each position, or or you can't compete with City. You know, you can't have both. Yeah. 
Um, in terms of uh, numbers as well, i just throw this one at you, KC, because uh, just looking at, uh, again, the rivalry with Liverpool, uh, since Guardiola arrived at City, City have earned 446 points. Uh, in that time, Liverpool have earned 416 points. Uh, both have had two seasons of, of, of getting near 100 points. Uh, City did get 100 points. 198, Liverpool 97, 98, 99. Um, and then the rest of them, they've been kind of, in inverted commas, normal Premier League totals that they've had. Um so, like, this idea that nobody can compete, that it's just demonstrably untrue. Yeah, well, we won the league with 86 points last year, didn't we? That's that that's not an unrealistic total in past years. Um, um, it just... I think, like I say, like as I said before, I think um, a lot of commentators, particularly um, Liverpool-leaning, shall we say, have just sort of absolutely thrown a wobbler this week. Um, and I think in a week or so's time they'll they'll come to the senses and think, yeah, maybe I've uh, I've just had a bit of a mare and reacted badly to, to Liverpool's result, um and try to try to pin it on City rather than themselves. Yeah. Um, Jack, I, I want to just touch on one final... I promise you we'll move on to the football shortly. Um, but I just want to touch on to this, uh, this other criticism that I've seen a fair bit this week is uh, that City are boring. Um, and I remain convinced that the people who call City boring don't actually watch City on a regular basis because on this week of all weeks, 4-0 became 4-3 and City were... were I, I was very nervous in the Etihad for that one. Yeah, I kind of obviously don't have a horse in the title race. Um, so... I so I, I I wasn't at Brentford. I've been isolating this week uh, throughout Christmas, so I watched it on the on the telly last night. And um, the first kind of five ten minutes, you see like City pass knocking a ball about the back, and I did because obviously I've seen people call them boring over the last few days, and I did think to myself, so actually, if you've only got a passing interest in what's going on, you probably would consider this slightly boring, in the sense that. You know that they're going to win the game, but there is no, there's not that excitement as a neutral, uh, and that because I suppose to a neutral that will, might be slightly boring because you know what the result's going to be, ninety, you know, nine times out of ten. So I, I, I do have a little bit of sympathy for fans of other teams who might only watch them on match of the day or kind of. They're only half watching when it's on Sky or Amazon or BT or whatever. What I do have a problem with is that people that do watch them every week, um, fans of other teams up in the uh, top top four of the league, and they know what they're about, and they just end up saying they're boring because they haven't got anything else to say and they don't want to appreciate the fact that actually the way they do control the games and the way they do rotate the front five and the fact that they leave Rodri or Fernandinho to fend for themselves to you know deal with counterattacks they just gloss over that because they don't want they don't want to know yeah i i i'd, I'd agree with more like like i say I, I i genuinely i can see from a neutral perspective why we are boring like i in terms of the the, fo- the football that we play, I don't think that we play football the way that um, it has been traditionally played in the Premier League, let's say. So if you're used to a certain type of football over the years, even with the way that it's evolved and you've seen the way that we're playing now, because it is so different and we do stifle and strangle teams so much, I, I can fully accept other people saying that we're boring. I, do- I don't get... I don't... 
I don't know why people get so upset by that. If if like if like Jack said, if that's all that they're resorting to and that's all that they've got to say, then you know that we're definitely doing something right. So I don't know why people get so you know clutching at their own pills about it. We 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 definitely can be boring for a neutral. I can perfectly see that, but it doesn't matter to us as like we're see we're seeing a great team, you know, do great things. So why should why should we be asked I, I i don't really get i don't really get why we're so precious about that because it for someone who's you know supports the club like casey or someone like me who reports on the club you find enjoyment and interest and intrigue in the little finer things that they do in matches like chelsea away it's like oh my god he's playing bernardo silva as a holding midfielder here like there are there's always something in a match that you go, I find that really interesting. Um, and I'm sure supporters are exactly the same. And as long as supporters are enjoying what they're watching, it doesn't really matter, does it, yeah, what anyone cares? else thinks? Who cares after that? Jack, you mentioned uh, letting Rodri and Fernandinho fend for themselves there. Um, I, want to, I want to touch on this a little bit, looking um, at the games against Leicester and Brentford, because... City. We talked about how much City like to control games here, um, and I'm, I'm wondering how in control City were of these two matches because before Leicester, uh, City conceded zero chances on the break in 14 games, and then against Leicester they conceded two goals on the break. Um, there's no Rodri in that, and it's and it's obviously two counter attacks there. Um, it, you felt as, as much as as Brentford didn't particularly worry City after that moment where Diaz headed it towards. Um, towards goal and then they had the, the, the one across the line Brentford were, were kind of kept at arm's length but again there was always the worry that there, that there could be something on the counter-attack is it simply no Rodri there that's the problem yeah I think the Rodri's become that good that when you take him out of it they're, they're a different they're a different animal um, I don't I can't quite put my finger on why his game has gone to such a high level so quickly I don't know whether he's become more mobile or I mean, he's always had a really, really good tactical understanding of what to do, but maybe that's gone up as well. I don't know. Um, what the, the probably the best thing you can say about Rodri is that watching Rodri now feels like watching Fernandinho three years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, uh, age, time catches up with everyone, doesn't it? And Fernandinho is is not a spring chicken, but does enough in the games he's picked to be able to to fill in when required. Um, but, I mean, you won't see... There's absolutely no way we'll see what we saw last season, which was that, you know, Fernandinho took on the Premier role at the end of the season, didn't he, in the end? Yeah. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen again. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested, Casey, if it's if it maybe is just Leicester are the perfect team to exploit City on the break, because um, when it when it comes to, to counter-attack goals, I, I just... I, I always think of it, of it being Leicester that do that to City. Uh, yeah, I think it's partly that. I think it's partly, obviously, the fact that we were four 0 up and then just completely took our foot off 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 the pedal. Like, you know, I think, um, I think I think it was just like a, a perfect storm of of why it happened. And like you say, Fernandinho just doesn't have the legs that he used to anymore. As as sad as it is to say, um, and yeah, I, th- I think it was just one of those the, those things that once one happened. It, the the other the other one just sort of caught what what I did like was the fact that the we that once you know once that comeback did happen from them we we you know we wrestled control back off them and then finished the game off quite easily in the end. 
Yeah. Was there a moment though where you were thinking this is I, I I might be I might be witnessing here one of the greatest Premier League comebacks and it's going to be against us? Uh, I I I wasn't, you know. Maybe maybe I'm weird, but yeah, no, no, I wasn't. I I thought no, we'll 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 get this back. We'll get it back on track. Yeah, you liar. Um, the Leicester game. The Leicester, <laughs> out of it. I was exactly the same as KC. Actually, I was like, "There's no way they're they're going to throw this away, even at four three. It was strange. Um, the Leicester one's interesting because Guardiola, when they when they suffered that heavy defeat last year, Guardiola was absolutely fuming um, at the way Leicester played in the in the way that it was ten men behind the ball and they just hit him on the break. Uh, I think he. I'm pretty sure he said after it that they didn't. They didn't come to play football. Rodri definitely said that afterwards. They I remember, Ro- I remember Rodri saying that. Yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. It's funny. Yeah. Um, let's uh, just on the defence as well, uh, Jack, because I think this week um, Nathan Ake deserves some praise uh, because it, it, it can't be easy to be in and out of the team. And then I thought he did really well at Brentford. I, like, if only, if I, I was going to do that thing where in the last ten minutes you kind of go, you know who's you know who's quietly had a good game today. It's Nathan Ake. But then I thought all that happens then is that something happens on the pitch and I get pelters from people who go, well, well, you see he's messed up here and done this and done this. So I, I didn't say it in the end, but uh, but I thought he did well. Yeah, I thought he did the basics really well. Um, you know, they're not they're not going to ask Nathan Ake to do what Cancelo and Zinchenko do when they're left back, but his role was to make sure he defended well, give nothing away. And you know, someone put this to me the other week actually, uh, and I still I'm very much on the fence about Ake, but put him alongside someone who's competent and he looks all right. Yeah, I agree. I, I actually thought he was um, he was one of our best players last night. I think did he have the most passes or something like that? Not that they would have been you know particularly probing passes or anything, but I, I thought he did everything that was required of him solidly well. Um, and I think it's maybe made me reevaluate like our left back options a bit, maybe um, in terms of when we are up against you know physical teams that. In, in intimidating grounds and, and things like that. I think, you know, he is a, he is a good option for that. Um, uh, definitely a, a left-back. Yeah. And, and he's always a threat from set-pieces as well, isn't he? Yeah. Final few uh, words for uh, the last two games. Just want to look at the uh, attack. Um, uh, KC, when Sterling stepped up to take that penalty against Leicester, did you have any idea that he was gonna, just going to pop it in the top corner like that? Uh, yeah. I, it, it, it's one of them where... Um, because because we were winning and it wasn't input because we were we were we two or three nil up at that point. I, can't I think remember. it was two at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was that, and because there was less pressure on it, I fully expected him to score it. But if it, if that had been nil nil, I wouldn't have had any confidence in him whatsoever. If that makes sense. Yeah. Is it, is it a sign, Jack, that his confidence is back that he'll step up and just do that? I think he'd have done that three years ago. I'd, yeah. Like he's the goal scorer, isn't he? Um, I can understand why people think that he might be a little shaky uh from 12 yards but it's 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 really great that he's kind of got back into the swing of things in front of goal but i said this a few times this season i I think he's been playing well this year i i think he makes them a better team when he plays uh he does a lot of work that people don't don't notice um and yeah it's just kind of I'm always quite boring when I talk about things like well, it's just like a matter of time. But the, these players are so good that they are always going to recapture the form. 
Yeah, I, um, I do think I do think that the the final goal against Leicester was a was a good indication that things are working for him again because like even like even six eight weeks ago I feel like that that header from Diaz bounces off his shins and and lands in Schmeichel's arms. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and there's been a I don't know how many goals he's how many tappings he's got in the last month, but there's been a, at least a couple. Um, and I know he looked more threatening when he was coming off the right hand side. Um, you know threatening to score that goal that he scored so many times a couple of years ago. Um and yeah, it just it just seems to be a bit more anticipation. He's expecting things to fall for him now. Whereas I don't think he was previously. Um probably because he got inside his own head a little bit. Yeah, I th- I think I think that's a fair part of it. I think, you know, Sterling will always offer you something. Um but when when he, he when he does go through a bad run, it does seem to be in his own head more than any any other reason. Um, so it is good to see him come out and like just just play with a bit, you know, with a bit of smile, a bit of a smile on his face. Like you, I think he's played well this season, but I just think sometimes players just do need, you know, one or two to bounce in off the shins or whatever, or to go for them, and then they get back into the swing of things. And I think that's, that's what that's what we're seeing now. It's going to be fascinating to see what happens to him in the next couple of months because obviously he's not. He wasn't happy about the lack of starts, and he got a run of starts when others were out, and now everyone's kind of back. So it'll be yeah. I'm intrigued to see whether he now gets into that first eleven for the for the big games, and whether if he does, whether that changes the the landscape of how he feels about um, remaining at the club. Yeah. Well, uh, I'd like to see him stay, so fingers crossed that he does. Um, time now to look ahead at the game with Arsenal on New Year's Day. Nice early start at the Emirates, uh, 12.30 after New Year's Eve. Uh, we're joined now by uh, Michael Kashani, Arsenal fan, man at large. Uh, Kesh, how are you doing? I'm not too bad, thanks. How about you? I uh, can't complain, can't complain. It's been uh, it's been a good week, let's put it that way. Um <laughs> Let's. I mean, the first first question I've got for you. Obviously, um, whenever we have you on the show, it it, it seems either that Arsenal are, are, are kind of a little bit resurgent, or everything's crisis time. So, what, what, how are things going at the moment? It's it's sort of a cautious optimism stage again. And last time it was definitely like on the verge of a crisis, but we seem recently to be looking a lot better, a lot more comfortable, and a lot of our our aim for this season isn't like our progress isn't going to be measured in games against City because I mean to an extent they're a bit of a write off, but like. The main thing is being able to beat the 14 other teams in the league that we should be beating and then that and gather the points from there, push for top four, ideally, but, you know, top six and whatever comes with that. So it's and recently we've had sort of four or five games in a row that have just genuinely been very good, very encouraging, really good attacking performances. And which is really disconcerting because we I don't know if anyone saw the, our games against Everton and United, but they were absolutely abject. So. Every time I think I'm done with Arteta, he pulls out a decent run of results with a decent run of performances, and it makes me double think again, double think about my, yeah. my conclusions. I, I mean, I'm interested in in this run because, uh, as you say, it's five wins in a row, and you've had a midweek off at the moment because of uh, of COVID um, postponements. Uh, it, it feels like it's going well right now. Yeah, it it really is, and it looks like with um the big the big change in the team recently is Martinelli coming back in, and. The, so he gives a lot of lot of energy into the attack, a lot of sort of in, in an attack that up until he come back in, it was really static, it was very slow, really predictable. Now it's he seems to be the the piece that's adding like the edge, the unpredictability, and we look like a completely different team because of it. So yeah, so and it, 
And we've got, obviously, a lot of other talented younger players, Smith Rowe, Saka. Um, Odegaard's really settling in as well recently. Um, so we're get, we're, it feels like we're getting there. And in terms of the recent run, what I'm sort of wanting from the City game is just a dignified performance to make up for last time. KC, <laughs> um, I mean, we've, we've talked already about um, kind of how Leicester and Brentford weren't especially easy games for City, even though they, they, they got over the line in them both. Um, how are you feeling about a resurgent Arsenal right now? Um, I can just see us playing similar to the way that we did against Brentford last night, albeit with different personnel. Um, I think we'll uh, move away from what we did against Leicester and, and Leeds um, and go back to sort of control game management where we sort of strangle the life out of the game um, and then hopefully get at least one or two goals to see Arsenal off and I think that's definitely going to be what Pep's plan is going to be. I think it's what his plan's been for most of the season. Um, I think if anything the Leeds and uh, Leicester games are a bit of uh, anomalies where we actually uh, we opened up a bit. Um, you know we, we can do that to teams but I can't imagine uh, Pep doing that against Arsenal. I think it'll be more uh, cautious you know, 75% possession, just not let Arsenal have the ball. Um, and I think, to be fair as well, Arsenal have had some success with us in the past. You know, I'm thinking about the FA Cup game uh, where they beat us, where they did let us have the ball. But I think, you know, in, in real terms, I don't think... How many... I think we've won, is it six or seven in a row against Arsenal? Something daft like that. Um, and you'd hope that we'd be doing something similar again this weekend. Yeah, Jack. I'm interested uh, from a non-City fans' point of view. Um, why, like, City are on ten Premier League wins in a row now, um, and yet we're all looking at this Arsenal game going there, resurgent. This is a bit tricky. You know, Brentford was tough, and you know, Leicester came back to four three. Why? Why does ten wins in a row not breed the sort of confidence at City it, it does at other clubs? Uh, well, I think if you were. I think if you were, if we were on an Arsenal podcast now, they'd be turning around and going, "Bloody hell, they've won ten on the trot!" Like. Were worried, um, so I think it's more of a, a view that the opposition would take. That they look at the results, just like you have done with Arsenal. Uh, why doesn't it breed the confidence it would do elsewhere? Probably, well, not probably, definitely because it's just normal. Um, I think I, th- I saw a stat last night where I think they've won ten on the trot in the Premier League under Guardiola at least four times. Yeah. Which is more than anyone else ever, and it's this is just the sort of run that you expect them to to put together. Certainly at this time of the year. I mean, how many how many times in recent seasons has it been December and January where they've yeah, taken where we kick on titles away? Yeah, it's just when we said this. I think I said this on the podcast at the start of start of this month. It's just I think you're asking where do you where do you expect them to be at the end of the month? It's like well we'll top because they're going to win every game because this is this is when they click into gear. Yeah, and it's like to be clear, I'm I'm fully expecting us to beat Arsenal. If you you know you're talking about in terms of confidence, we should be beating Arsenal easily. I'm just thinking about you know the time of year that it is and all that sort of stuff. I just think Guardiola is going to go more for control rather than what he's done in the past against them and just like sort of gone to blast them away. Uh, Cash, just looking at at, at the five nil earlier in the season, um, what's changed from then? I mean, everything is the the shortest answer. Um, so we we had a bit, we had a COVID crisis of our own right at the start of the season. So we had a lot of absences. We hadn't signed Tommy Asu the right back either. We we're playing Cedric, I think, which is always a sign that we're in some kind of distress. Um, and yes, yeah, so I think the back three was Cedric and Kalasinac with holding in the middle. And a lot of the a lot of the players who played that day won't play 
this on in two days time and yeah and sort of that was after sort of that weird loss to Brentford on the opening day and um and then getting battered by Chelsea the week after as I recall so it, the the mood around the place is completely different we've got the players fit it looks like we've got a pretty pretty steady squad in terms of our options available it obviously remains to be seen that but like in terms of yeah the, the atmosphere around following the club at the moment completely completely different to the point where we we everyone went into that city game knowing that it was it was a complete hiding to nothing that whatever the score was just try and keep it to single figures and move on uh but whereas this one i'm not exactly saying we're going for a win but you at least expect a decent performance yeah i mean what's what's the situation with Aubameyang right now as well because um he's it, it, it seems like a lot of headlines being created by him as well yeah he so he's sort of he's in exile at the moment um, and so he, he turned up late, I think, back from a trip in France. And yeah, seems I think it seems to be the final in a list of things. But yeah, he's, he's had the captaincy taken off him. He's been booted out of the team. I think, I don't know if he's training with the kids, but he's definitely persona non grata in terms of match day squads. And doesn't seem to be negatively affecting anything. He's, he's been in a weird phase form-wise for a little while. And... Yeah, that's it, it's yeah. It seems to it was a big gamble from Arteta to go that you know heavy against who the player who's still basically our main player, our main goal scorer, our captain. But it seems to be paying off so far. Okay, so just looking at um, at Aubameyang, I, I can't remember if it was you or if it was Dan that mentioned he might be uh, the sort of player that that City should look at if they couldn't go out and get uh, the a name like yeah. Haaland. Yeah, no, it was it was Dan. I was the one that was disagreeing with Dan. Right. Um, okay. So I won't. Uh, I won't, I won't, yeah. I won't get to do that now then. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, I, like I, I don't think like when we were having that, I, I was the one that was saying I don't think Dan realised how old Aubameyang was. Uh, I think Dan thought he was younger than he was. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't think Aubameyang's been anywhere near what he should be for the past year and a half, really. Um, pretty much since the new contract. Um. In a fair few games, he just seems to sort of down tools. Um, obviously, that's from you know an outsider looking in, um, and he won't be you know even aside from a transfer fee for the the type of wages that you're paying for a player of that age, that you know has that sort of will be looking for a last payday. I, I wouldn't be going in for him at all. The way Arteta's handled it is really interesting because it is the exact sort of thing you would expect Guardiola to do. Um it almost looks as if our looks as if Arteta's kind of taken bits from Guardiola's man management. And like you speak to people around Arsenal and they've been saying for months and months that the problem in the dressing room has been basically that the older players uh don't show enough respect to the younger players. Um and actually the the one player that people have mentioned to me that has been a problem is has been has been in the past Lacazette. Um but now you see in one of the older players taken out, put into exile, whatever, stripped to the captaincy. And the younger guys are now flourishing. Yeah. And you, you look at it and think that it's just an absolute masterstroke from Arteta to take someone out that wasn't producing anyway. Um and it's allowing others to go and do their thing, you know, and not fearing of, not fearing that they'll get criticised for whatever. Um, so you see, I, I'm not massively surprised by the way that Arteta's handled the situation because of because of where he's been before, and that's why people at City thought he was gonna he was gonna go on and 
and be your top manager in his own right. Kesh, just looking at Arteta himself, um, you mentioned earlier that he keeps plucking out a result when uh, you're ready to kind of pile in on him. How uh, how are you with him at the moment? What what, what are your thoughts? Um, A a little on the fence in a lot of respects, because for a long time the football we've been playing with, the players we've had, hasn't been good enough. It's not been expansive enough. Is it's been quite drab, and like in, in terms of the, the last two games where we've seen that difference, it's really encouraging. But it kind of leaves you in the position of why haven't we been doing this for the last two years, or at least even the last one year? Um, so, but with that, so if you're talking about the the huge change in culture that he's trying to oversee, and that the squad he's got now compared to when he turned up is unrecognizable, and and yeah, and with it, and he's he's done a huge amount to try and change the age profile, change the culture. And it's a very, very different operation. He deserves a massive amount of credit for how he's overseen that. And, well, overseen, he's, he's managed it, he's made it happen. Uh, but then the next, the next step after is turning that into consistent results. And he, needs to, he still needs to prove that he's the guy who can do that. But the, the strange thing is, yeah, the management aspect of management, he seems to be pretty good at. And then the coaching is where the questions are. Yeah, um, he has COVID as well right now, which uh, is uh, he loves yeah. a, a good bout of COVID ahead of a City game. Um, uh, how, how much of a loss will he be on the touchline? It's, it's tough to say, really, because we've not had to deal without him. But it's it's clear that he, he's very active. He's, he's lot, you can you can see that he's a mini Guardiola in that respect. He's on his feet all the time. He wants to micromanage everything. So it could be that it's it's fine in the end, and he's just you know overactive. But it could be that he's, yeah, that there's a lot that he he does that he transmits to the players that helps them. I guess yeah. It's, I mean, if I had to guess, I'd say it won't make a huge amount of difference. But I mean, it's just tough to know, really. Yeah, um, Casey. Let's let's uh, have a quick look at City in this uh, in this game because you know we touched on the holding midfield position earlier. Um, uh, do you, do you figure that Arsenal, if if Rodri's still not available, do you figure that Arsenal is uh, a, you know, a completely different kind of team to uh, to kind of defend against than you know Brentford has been and, and Leicester was? Um, well, well, yeah, they definitely are. But I think regardless of that, Rodri, um, and, and I'm not expecting him to be fit, but I think Rodri, regardless, is, is a huge loss. Um, Fernandinho won't be able to play three times in one week anyway. Uh, he's only, you know, he's, he surprises us all, but he's only just about been able to get through the past couple of games. But Rodri's just been absolutely superb this season. Um, and I think any game without without him in the team, uh, I think we're we're considerably worse off. Um, so I think yeah, if Gundogan has to play it, I think Gundogan playing um, that role against Arsenal should be better in theory than against Brentford. Um, but we've seen before he's got overran in that position, so I suppose time will tell. But one thing that Gundogan does give you is control around the place. It's just obviously we'll lack. You know, we we will lack defensively um, uh, without Rodri, um, but hopefully the the additional control and passing that Gundogan gives from that that position does give us uh, does give us enough security to uh, to. As I say, I'm fully expecting us to control three quarters of the ball throughout the game. I wonder whether they might go for a couple of sixes and play Gundogan yeah. and Silver together. Yeah, that 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 I, I I would expect that to make sense. Silver to us to be a bit a bit deeper. Um, but I suppose it depends on it depends on how Arsenal play against us as well. Um, if Arsenal sit really deep, will we need two sixes? But I suppose the fact that you know it, because they have done that against us before. Um, but if Arsenal are you know slightly more progressive, then yeah, then maybe it's. Uh, I think I think it just depends on how they come at us. 
Yeah. Um, Jack, I'm interested in the in the front three as well, given uh, the whole issues of form, rotation, fitness. You know, the, the discipline thing seems to have died a death now that Foden and, and, and Grealish have played. Uh, well, it's not died a death, has it? They didn't play for two games. Um, but, yeah, but you know what I mean. They, they, they may be back in his good books again. Uh, yeah, I, without being there, I wouldn't be able to say definitively. But um, I... Uh, probably go Sterling, Mares, and Foden. I reckon Mares and Sterling have been have been great last few weeks. Obviously, didn't play at Brentford, um, and Foden hasn't been playing. So those would be my three. I think Mares and Sterling have got quite good records at Arsenal as well, from what I can remember. Uh, Sterling, I remember the, Ars- Arsenal a couple of times. Um, uh, Mares Mar- a couple of times as well. Yeah, yeah. They've, but they've both scored wi- winners in one 0 wins anyway, haven't they? Yeah. Yeah, so it's not uh, not a bad shout, Cash. Um, in terms of, of of Arsenal at home this season, uh, unbeaten since August, so uh, doing pretty well at the Emirates. Yeah, um, it's it's night and day away from um, home and away, and this is, this is part of the thing. Like the recent runs been really good, but it's been mostly at home. I think it's three of them at home, and then um, the one one of the away games was against Norwich, which is just it's just a write off, really. But yeah, it's, it's completely different operations home and away. So it's sort of why it's. Like, like I said, there's no actual confidence that we'll get a proper result, but at least that we'll we'll make a decent account of ourselves. Yeah, um, Casey, I want to I want to finish the preview by uh, touching on De Bruyne because uh, he's gone under the radar a little bit um, because it, it it's almost like he was having kind of a, an indifferent season, and then suddenly in the last few games you go, oh yeah, there he is. Yeah, de- de- like definitely against Leeds, he stepped it up. But obviously, the way that Leeds played against us um, really suited. Um, because because we've not played on the counter attack for a couple of years, but the way that Leeds played made the, made us like almost default have to do that, which really suits the Bruyne down to the ground. And I think that game in particular has just given him uh, a fair bit of confidence back because, like you say, for his incredibly high standards, he has been uh, he has been consider- you know a fair bit below those um, you know the past few months, whether that be through injuries or confidence or whatever. But you know we've seen against Brentford, you know he made the difference. He was fantastic against uh, fantastic against Leeds and Leicester. So, yeah, I've, hopefully we are getting to see um, Kevin De Bruyne back. Yeah, he's had a he's had a tough time, hasn't he, Jack? He has, yeah, and he's you know with COVID and going back to the Champions League final uh, and then the other injury he picked up as well. Um, I just think with De Bruyne in the last couple of weeks is that he's all he always you know take the assist at Brentford. He's always playing those sorts of balls, but often they don't come off because De Bruyne plays. It's risk and reward, isn't it? Yeah, I, um, I was. I was quite. The the, the commentators uh, seemed aghast that it was his first assist in the Premier League of the season, and then I saw a tweet that that showed that he'd put it, he'd put it on a plate, something like that, about seven or eight times already. But the, but the strikers had missed. It's like it's not De Bruyne's fault that, the, that whoever was on the end of it has missed. You know. Yeah, and he's like, I mean, obviously he plays three or four of those. Or attempts three or four of those crosses a game, doesn't he? Um, and sometimes you just get in a in a run where it it hits the first man because they've closed you down really well, or the defender sticks a leg out before it gets to a striker and things like that. It was just it was a, like everything else we said. It was just a matter of time before these sort of things started to happen again. Um, yeah, but, said, yeah, but saying like, yeah, but saying that just because he got the assist last night doesn't mean why he's. I think he just has generally been playing better. Like if you think back the Liverpool game earlier in the season when he scored the equaliser, I don't think anyone can say he actually was playing well that game, even though he got the goal. 
I think at the moment he just does seem to be playing better than he than I he don't was think he's been fit. Yeah, yeah. I, that's what I mean. I agree with that. Whether it's confidence, injuries, and I agree with that. But I think it is. It's it, it's not just the case. The fact that that one went in means that that's why we see him as as playing well. I think he just is playing well better generally at the moment. Anyway, yeah. Um, just one final uh, question, KC. Do you remember the last time City lost their first game of the new year? Uh, was it the Sunderland G one? It was, yeah, 2012. Uh, gone nearly 10 years without. Uh, well, it'll be be 10 years if they can uh, if they can avoid defeat against Arsenal. They've gone 10 years without losing the first game of the of the. Uh, of the well, you just so, jinxed it, man, aren't you? Uh, jinxes don't exist. Come on, you know better. Than that. <laughs> uh, right, with uh, with no wins on the charity bet this week, uh, we stay on 1,020 pounds raised for Man City fans' food bank support this season. Uh, they collect donations of food and money outside the Etihad ahead of weekend home matches to help the Trussell Trust in Manchester. William Hill is given each of us a £10 correct score single on City's games. Uh, Cash, I'm going to come to you first. What's your, what's your score prediction for this one? Uh, I'm going to go with some insane optimism and say it's going to be a 2-2 draw. Uh, if, you, if you're waiting for insane optimism, we've got that coming up. 2-2 uh, is 16-1 uh, to 1 and £160 if you're right. Jack, what are you having for this? 2-0 uh, City. Which isn't in, insane optimism. It's no, very it's much not pragmatism. It's uh, the insane optimism is about to arrive because uh, two nil is seven to one and seventy pounds. KC, uh, are you going for your traditional? Uh, I am. Yeah, I'm going for six one. Yeah, six uh, one. Uh, in in honour of uh, the six one derby back in 2011, uh, that's ninety to one. So you'll add nine hundred pounds if that happens because but it's not going to happen. Can, so. I, can I just say I'm also not surprised that Kesh has gone for a Desmond. Uh, you know, a Ray Parler Desmond uh, after you know. It, so, you know the sad passing of Desmond Tutu. It's uh, very <laughs> fitting that it's happened this week. In tribute to the man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, remember, you've got to be 18 or over to gamble. Prices can change. And for more on responsible gambling, have a look at begambleaware.org. Cash, thank you very much for uh, for joining us today. Uh, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Now, for our final podcast of 2021, we're taking a look back at the highlights of the last year with some of our regular guests. Records broken, titles won, and plenty of entertaining football has been played. I've been reflecting on the last 12 months. It might have ended well, but there were very few signs that 2021 was actually going to start that way. City weren't playing too fluently, and they'd had a tricky time over Christmas with injuries and Covid cases. Hi, Blue Moon Podcast, it's Richard Burns. I know City had started to put some of the run together that went on to win in the league, but I think they were still shy of Liverpool. They were still, I think, about four points off, so um, I can't say that I was confident they were going to win the league. Hi, this is Kieran Murray. We were starting to find a little bit of a flow. We were grinding out the results as opposed to blowing teams away. And then the Chelsea game was where everything changed, literally the turn of the year. Hello, my name's Don Farrell and I'm the fan brand's editor for Manchester City at Reach PLC. Heading to Stamford Bridge with a Covid-depleted squad, that was an incredible performance. It was maybe, to paraphrase, Eric Morecambe, you know, all the right players were injured at just the right time because there was it was a little bit of a process of elimination 11, but it seemed to sort of set the template for that brilliant run in the second half of the season. After three wins at the end of 2020, City added a further 18 victories in a row to start 2021, taking control of all four competitions. To be honest, I thought City had a grip on the title fairly early. I know the Anfield game is the one that 
everyone will look at and point towards and that was really sort of a, a properly emphatic moment. That was such a resounding win against the champions who, you know, City always struggle at Anfield. We beat Liverpool so convincingly at Anfield. We beat Spurs, we beat Everton, uh, Arsenal and then West Ham who were all tricky fixtures on paper, back-to-back. Birmingham, Cheltenham, Swansea and Everton were all bypassed in the FA Cup. United were seen off in the League Cup semi-final and Borussia Mönchengladbach were comfortably beaten in the Champions League. At the start of April, City faced a tough test in Borussia Dortmund. Obviously Jude Bellingham had the goal disallowed and um, yeah, they caused us problems in, in each leg. We would come up against absolutely stellar superstar names and just completely thwart any of their threat. And Haaland was no exception. I think he got an assist in the first leg, but we kept him relatively quiet. The main memory of the Dortmund tie is being completely terrified when Riyad Mahrez stepped up and then had to wait an age for the VAR review. And then obviously Phil Foden scoring in both legs, but in particular the second goal at Dortmund and the big pile on the bench. I think that's probably one of the, my favourite moments of the entire Guardiola era. That was brilliant. Foden's goal felt like it could be a big moment in the season, but more importantly, it felt like a big moment in Foden's career. As the season went on, the fixture list got tough. City were knocked out of the FA Cup semi-finals by Chelsea, but then they won the League Cup against Spurs. Emir at Laporte having a difficult season. Comes in and plays in the final place, well, scores the winning goal, and we look at how he's kicked on this year. It really is an important part of everything, and that was a great day as well, because it was the first time there were a handful of fans allowed back in the ground and that, that sound of humans rather than artificial noise celebrating a goal was really a wonderful part of it. They'd relinquish their four-season grip on that trophy the following October. It was disappointing to go out to West Ham, but I think having won four in a row, you do accept that eventually you're going to lose. So disappointing to finally lose our grip on it, but we can let somebody else have a go and win it again next year. Then came the Champions League semi-finals with PSG at the start of May. I was really nervous about after going behind against PSG because it just looked as if they had the beating of us. The way they controlled the game in the second half, it was night and day, wasn't it? It was euphoric to win just the first leg because it showed so much character. But to come back the way we did was just incredible and said he just like a feature of last season was just control there's an argument that the second leg is one of city's very very best performances under pep yeah that was that was a great night in the snow what was all that about and after the title was sewn up when leicester beat united at old trafford city traveled to porto for the big one the champions league final again though it was chelsea who came out on top I was covering it in a work capacity, so I was in the press box, so I got wind of the team sheet a couple of hours before it was uh, public knowledge, so I had a little bit of time to sort of try and adjust to what Pep was maybe thinking. It was just flat, wasn't it? And I think we knew that when we saw the team selection, so I'm over it, and I was over it very quickly, because it was a fair result, it was the right result, and... Sometimes you just have to take your medicine. After a long kind of year of lockdowns and not seeing anybody, I was able to watch the game uh, with a group of beautiful birds. We watched it together, we were excited together, we were sad together, and then afterwards we uh, drowned our sorrows together. There was just a gaping big hole where there should have been holding midfielder, and it was, it was such a misstep. I wasn't angry, I was just really sad. It would have been such a great triumph for him as a coach to win last season with all the strange circumstances but then 
Porter happened. It, it does still hurt a bit, I'll be honest. In the midst of all that was a tearful goodbye for Sergio Aguero. I was extremely fortunate and privileged to be one of the 10,000 in the stadium. Seeing Aguero score was incredibly emotional and his, his farewell was extremely emotional. So that was a massive highlight. Uh, just to be back in that stadium with a trophy presentation, um, but just to say goodbye to the legend of all legends, Sergio Aguero. In the summer, City dominated the transfer news. They started by adding Jack Grealish for £100 million. I was happy with Grealish. I've always liked him. I think he's a wonderful player and he's got so much potential. And I think at City, uh, he's in the right environment with the right manager and the right group of players around him to really kick on. One of Bernardo or Sterling or even, you know, De Bruyne is not getting younger, although he's obviously still high quality, but Grealish just provides us a good bit of succession planning for when one of those leaves, and clearly he's a first-team player already. I've been happy with him. I did think that they'd get Kane. At the time, Kane did feel like a bit of a cock-up. However, the high level that the team have played at with a false nine and with rotating centre forwards makes it make more sense that it had to be an absolutely elite player or nobody so um, I like that decision better now. I'm really glad we didn't get Kane. Sometimes you just don't get a feeling that a player fits. I just don't think his personality or just him, I don't, don't, he just didn't feel like a natural blue. I think City will probably regret how long they stayed in the market for that one because they did need a striker. But they seem to just be completely set on Kane maybe because they knew Haaland wouldn't be available. But yeah, I don't know if it was a cock-up, how it played out as such, but I think the timescales involved mean there's probably some regret there. The title defence this season started badly too, as Leicester beat City in the Community Shield and then Guardiola's side lost their opening Premier League match for the first time since 2008. That was at Spurs. I wasn't concerned by the Community Shield, but the defeat at Spurs. You know, teams win Premier Leagues losing two or three games these days, and so if you lose one on the opening day and have then got to go 37 games of, of only losing one or two more potentially that was worrying Southampton performance was rubbish dull as anything and Palace wasn't great so yeah of course there were concerns the community shield and Spurs had mitigating circumstances I think just after the Euros not too much time to prepare players missing left right and centre and just our approach, just we weren't ready. We weren't ready. The biggest cause for alarm so far this season were the Southampton and Palace games at home. Not just the results themselves, but the fact that City didn't deserve anything out of those games and didn't. And there was a mounting number of games where City didn't score. That is something the last few weeks seems to have put to bed, you know, pretty decisively. But as 2021 draws to a close, City have motored to the top of the table, breaking all sorts of records along the way. 2021 is a calendar year, I think. It's been absolutely brilliant. It's a it's a 9.8 out of 10 for me. And the 0.1 is losing the Carabao already this season. And the other 0.1 is losing the Champions League final. There were so many other factors in the world that made life a bit crazy. City just managed to become a consistent, regular, unflappable monster of a winning mechanism. We won the league in an absolutely blistering way and it's going well again this season and if you're talking about a year in which you win a couple of trophies and, and play some of the best football that you could ever hope to see then 
that's always going to rate highly for me and anything in addition is just a bonus i just i really like the place we are now it fills me full of hope and confidence and even if we don't go on to win the league or the champions league or anything this season you know that we're in a really really good place i think this is guardiola's best calendar year at the club you could maybe say 2018 but so much of the work in winning the league was done before the turn of the year in that centurion season obviously 2019 he lifted a domestic treble but the start of the next season wasn't great the way that city properly hit their stride to tear the premier league apart in the early months of the year got to a champions league final obviously that didn't pan out great but that's kind of the only block the way they've they've kicked on They've had transfer market setbacks, you know, significantly not getting a striker and still haven't been knocked off a stride. I think this year more than any other is a testament to his coaching, to how well drilled the whole team is um, and how well, every, how smoothly everything works on the pep. With City ending the year in such a commanding position, having made their first Champions League final and also having won another Premier League title and another League Cup, 2021 has been a very good year. Let's hope for something similar in 2022. Hi, this is David Bernstein, and you're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. Please support the show by becoming a backer. Patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast. I look back there at the last 12 months. Um, just to finish this week, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get your personal highlights. So uh, I think the, the, the place to start, uh, Casey, let's have, uh, what is your best game that City played in 2021, do you think? Uh, I, I think it has to be PSG away. Um you know the the, 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 Mar- first, the first time, not the second one. <laughs> the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The first one, the first one, the 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 Mara's uh, the Mara's Super Show. Um, I just think, even though we've we've played well away at PSG before, you know, I'm thinking about the the run under Pellegrini uh, to the to the semi final that time. It just felt um, it just felt so accomplished and, and more mature that we were. It felt like we were, you know, just a, a boxer sort of. Um, keeping you know a good opponent at arm's length just because we were so much better than them yeah um i just thought it was a really i thought i thought especially considering the start and the way that we came back i just thought it was a it was a superb performance and uh the only real choice for me yeah jack there's there's plenty to pick from would you go along with that yeah um it's interesting the psg thing's interesting because uh they actually think that the first half they played against psg in the group stage this year is the best they've ever played in europe and but they obviously won the game at PSG uh, in the knockouts last year. I just found that quite interesting when someone said that to me the other week. Yeah. My uh, the three that stand out for me, uh, and I'm not very good at remembering things, but West Brom away last January, I thought that was just ast- a, a astonishing performance. Uh, Liverpool away for the actual occasion and the quality of the game, but probably Chelsea away in September. Yeah. A lot for the way they played. I thought they were incredible. Yeah. Um, let's let's turn it a bit more specific now and go for the best goal of the last uh, last twelve months. Uh, Jack, any any off the top of your head that you'd go for? Bernardo Silva at Villa. Yeah, that's the only choice. Isn't it? I know yeah. it's so easy. I was, I was <laughs> expecting a little bit of discussion. On Honestly, there's there just some. Not, yeah. well, 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 <laughs> unless unless maybe you say the 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 Ferran back heel at Newcastle. Yeah, I was. You know what. You know where he sort of like flicked it with the with the back of his foot like into the top of the net like that that was an exceptional goal but but still the Bernardo one. I was there for both of those goals and all I can say is that when Bernardo's goes in, there's yelps around the press box, and when 
uh, Torres scored, there the weren't. So that would be mine. <laughs> that's, that, that, that's the barometer. It's not very scientific, it? but yeah, uh, like as I say, I was just chucking that one out there purely because David wanted a chat. But yeah, it was only Bernardo that you could. <laughs> it was purely Bernardo. It's only Bernardo that you can really pick. Fine, let's move on. Uh, best player of 2021. There's been various candidates throughout uh, the entire calendar year, I think. But Casey, who, who would take the title? Do you think? Um, like you say, because there's been ups and downs for players all over the show. Um, and I think if if you're asking who's had the best start to this season, it's between Rodri and Bernardo. But I think over the 12 months, I'm probably going to have to go for either Foden or Mares. Maybe Mares for the for his run in the Champions League. Yeah, Jack. Any any other? I, I was expecting Gundogan might get a shout in this. Definitely Bernardo would be mine. Um, sensational start to season. Karen kind of carried that on. Um, just for things that like the people that call City boring wouldn't notice on match of the day. Um, but also because he was so crucial from January onwards last year in kind of that relentless run of victories. I thought Bernardo was, when he came back in the team, was magnificent. So, yeah, I would have him actually a, a distance ahead of the others Yeah, over the 12 months. Yeah, um, it's not all been uh, it's not all been uh, great things though. Because uh, first off, let's have a look at the Champions League final. Now that the dust has settled, Casey, are you are you, uh, are you over it? Are you uh, is it, are you calmed down about it now? I, I think I got, I think I got over it fairly quickly. It's still it's still really disappointing. Um, but like uh, I think Richard said in uh, in the clip um, from earlier in the show, I think you, you, it's even though it's really disappointing the way that we we played and that we didn't turn up. In a way, it's easier to get over when the best the best team won the match at the end of the day. Yeah, you know, if if it was, you know, a tra- travesty and a robbery, I, you know, I think it'd take me years to get over. But the fact that we were just outplayed on the night, you know, you you sometimes you just got to suck up, suck it up, and accept it. Yeah, yeah, and uh, of course, this this year saw uh, Aguero leave uh, City, Jack, and uh, then subsequently retire as well in a very, very tearful press conference that 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 came with it. Um, it's it's been a, it, it's kind of a it was a really difficult thing to watch that wasn't it? Yeah, very very sad to watch. Um, and just thinking about the, his last game or his last home game uh, against Everton last last season, I think everybody in the ground it was ten thousand I think that day uh, probably considered themselves exceptionally privileged to have watched him come off the bench and score twice. And uh, yeah, it was that was an amazing an amazing occasion. Um, it's just a shame that he couldn't um, couldn't cap it off with a late equaliser in Porto, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. It's one of my biggest regrets is obviously that I didn't get a ticket to his last game. Um, you know, I lost out in the ballot, and you know, I, I, you know, I really wanted to say goodbye to him. And the fact that you know he did he did score again, you know, score against in in those last couple of games. But it was just uh, it was just a bit crap after not being able to say goodbye to Silva the year before. Um, to to not be at Sergio's last last home game was uh, that that's that's probably that's as much of a regret as uh, as the Champions League as, as anything else as uh, soppy and emotional as that is. Yeah, it, it was really really nice that he's only ever uh, in the Premier League. He only ever came off the bench and scored a brace twice uh, on his first game and his last game. So that was uh, I thought that was a, a real kind of like nice mirror to his uh, to his career. Um, the final question I've got for you both on this one. Um, I I can see no argument against this, but I'm just wondering: is this is this in terms of a calendar year uh, the best that Guardiola has ever had at City, Casey? Um, obviously, I think I think he's won the most 
has he won the most league games or something like that? But I think in in terms of trophies, it's not his most successful year, is it? So I don't think you can really argue that it that it is. Um, you know, he's won more trophies previously together. Um, you know, and he's won the 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 domestic treble or whatever. Yeah. So I, I I don't think you can I don't think you can really argue argue um, if we'd have won the Champions League then certainly yeah but you know you know second second isn't winning anything and and I'm sure Guardiola wouldn't accept that as as being successful enough. That's interesting because I disagree. And when you look at, like you mentioned the records, I've got them here. Uh, most top flight wins in a calendar year with 36. Most top flight away wins in a calendar year with 19. Uh, most Premier League goals in a calendar year, 113. If you go in uh, pre-Premier League, you'd go back to 1960 to get a team that, that, that scored that many. Um, most Premier League points in a calendar year, that was 110. Most clean sheets in a calendar year, 24. Uh, fewest Premier League defeats in a calendar year with six. It's the fourth time, as Jack mentioned earlier on, fourth time that he's had uh, a winning run of uh, 10 Premier League games in a row. No other manager's got more than two. Uh, they broke the club record for the most number of wins by five goals in a calendar year. That's 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 at 10 this season. They had nine in a couple of, uh, of, other, of other years. Um, I, I genuinely, Jack, think he's not had a better 12 months than, than the last 12 months he's had at City. And he's done it all without a striker as well. No, that. But those are all in the Premier League, aren't they? In the well, league. yeah, yeah. So as a as a Premier League year, it's been um, thoroughly dominant. Um, but yeah, completely take what Casey Casey said. Would you know? He's gonna his time will be measured on on trophies, and the, there have been other years where they've where they've won where they've won more trophies. Yeah, uh, I, I always I find calendar. I always find calendar year records strange, and it like yeah, didn't yeah, yeah. didn't didn't Wilfred Bonny have the most goals in the <laughs> calendar year the year before we signed him? So yeah. I always take him with a pinch of salt, to be honest with you. But what you would say with the calendar year is like the absolute pure joy that they've given the supporters and the way they've played. I think has been better than. Than ever in the league. Yeah, I think I think maybe as well. Maybe I'm a bit not as up for it because I've we've not been able to enjoy the whole calendar year. Yeah, that's we? true. Yeah, yeah. It, and and I think that's probably why. Yeah, I'm not. I'm I'm maybe not seeing it as much as you know. Maybe you know 2018 and and things like that. It's just because yeah, we've not been around for the majority of this year. Yeah. Yeah, that is. Uh, that, I mean, that's like you said. That was a sad thing. We couldn't get to, to wave off Aguero, so that was the. Uh, that, that's that is the uh, the vibe of the last twelve months, isn't it? Um, but that brings our final show of twenty twenty one to a close. Thank you to every single one of you who've listened at any point during the year. Uh, if you've enjoyed them, please don't forget to tell your friends about the show and to leave ratings and reviews in all the usual places. It helps other city fans find us, which helps us pay the bills with the ads and along with the support from Patreon, it helps us make better podcasts as well. Uh, speaking of Patreon, if you'd like a little taste of what we'll be doing as our bonus shows this season then tune into our New Year's Day special it'll be on the main feed and it'll be a festive edition of City Heaven City Hell where Bob Toole Kieran Murray and Dan Burke have all picked good and bad games that City have played during the Christmas period of years gone by and if you support the show on Patreon by just £2 a month you'll get four or five bonus episodes each month for your money plus you'll get access to the back catalogue of extra shows and all of this season's new formats as well there'll be a new City Heaven City Hell coming up on Monday with uh, games against QPR in the spotlights look forward to that all the details are on patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast thanks to my guests this week casey pleasure as always and jack gone thank you mate i'll be back a little earlier next week that's because the game with swindon is on the friday night so we'll probably have a podcast for you early on thursday see you then
was the Blue Moon Podcast. Please support the show. Patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast.